Father, we thank you again that we can come together as a body of believers. We thank you again for your truth. You are truth. And I pray that we would understand that there is no other truth but your truth. And I pray that we would live by that truth and it will govern everything that we do, the things we think, the words in which we speak. May you be honored by what we do here today. Thank you again for an opportunity to share your truth. May it be relevant to, our, to the hearers here. May you grow us, may you mature us, may we be the people you call us to be. Thank you again for this time. We pray this in Christ's name, amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> if you are joining us um, for the first time, I want to welcome you to Gateway Bible Church. Today and next Sunday will be a little bit different for us as um, it is our practice to work through a particular book of the Bible, and right now we are working through the book of Mark. Today I'm not speaking on the book of Mark. But again, we welcome you. As you have heard, our pastor, uh, Pastor Rod and J.D. and Yulia are in Ukraine, and they will return on the 19th of February. Uh, pastor Rod asked Albert and I to speak um, while he was gone, and he actually gave us the freedom to choose the topic in which we were going to um, preach on for the next two Sundays. So we do pray that you will be challenged, that you will be um, encouraged, and that you will begin to think differently um, over these two, uh, two weeks as Pastor Rod and the team are away. About three or, or so years ago, I heard the statement, all truth is God's truth. When I first heard this statement, I did not, it did not sit well with me. I was unable at that time to pinpoint why it didn't sit well with me. But it continued to nag me the more I thought about it. Then a few weeks ago, um, I was told to read a particular book for work, and I began reading, and that statement came up once again. All truth is God's truth. When Pastor Rod asked us to preach uh, while he was away in Ukraine, my first thought was coming to grips with this statement. All truth is God's truth. So you might ask the question, what is truth? Wikipedia puts it this way. Truth is most often used to mean being in accord with fact or reality or fidelity to an original or standard. Truth may also often be used in modern contexts to refer to an idea of truth to itself or authenticity. So my proposition for today is this. The Word of God is the only absolute, never changing truth. If truth is based on the original or a standard, we must ask the question, who or what is this original and the state and the standard that truth is built on? What if that person or their beliefs believe that there is no truth? Then what? Ravi Zacharias said, when the young radicals 
of 1960s became the new generation of professors, politicians, and cultural leaders. They brought with them a value system devoid of absolute truth. The radicals became the new norm. And the new norm was basically that absolutes are gone. Is the idea of truth dead today? Many believers speak of conquering the world for Christ, but what does that conquering look like? And what does it mean? John Stott says, it is not a victory by force of arms. It is a battle of ideas. It is these ideas that shape how we look at the world and everything else. These ideas shape how we view God, our spouse, children, money, the church, marriage, sex, and even love. Everything is affected by the ideas of what we believe is true. In the world you and I live in today, there are many ideas that are being proclaimed, and here's just a few. We are to question everything. Someone says, I was an atheist until I realized I was God. My religion is love. We must practice random acts of kindness. We can judge a man's heart by the treatment he portrays towards animals. We need to coexist. It doesn't matter what you believe, but we must coexist. Remember, as far as everyone knows, we are a nice, normal family. All love is love. These are just a few of the ideas being proclaimed today. Some may seem not too bad, like my religion is love. But when you must ask, what religion are they referring to? What is the basis of that love they're referring about? Many times we take a quote or an idea and we do not question the origin that it comes from. Jesus prayed to his disciples. Jesus prayed that his disciples would be anchored in the truth. In John 17, Jesus prays for his disciples as he knows that he is just a few hours. He will be betrayed and he will be arrested. He does not say that they are to take up arms, but prays that they would be anchored in the truth of God's word. Jesus asks his fathers to watch over them in his absence. Verse 11 says, and I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world. I am coming to you. Holy Father, keep them in your word, which, is, which you have given me, that they may be one, even as you and I are one. Verse 14 of John 17 tells us, I have given them your word, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, 
just as I am not of the world. Verse 17, Jesus says, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. When Jesus asks that they be sanctified, he is asking the Father to set them apart from this world and that the world be, um, be and this would be done by God's word as it is truth. It is because of this truth that comes from the Father that brings separation from this world. Wayne Grudem, in his sancti, um, systematically, uh, systematic theology, says, in John 17, Jesus prays to the Father, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. This verse is interesting because Jesus not, does not use the adjective true, which we might expect to say. Your word is true. Rather, he uses a noun, truth, to say that God's word is not simply true, but it is the truth itself. The difference is significant, for this statement encourages us to think of the Bible not simply as being true in the sense that it, is, that it conforms to some higher standard of truth, but rather to think of the Bible as being itself the final standard of truth. The Bible is God's word, and God's word is the ultimate definition of what is true and what is not true. God's word in itself is truth. Thus, we are to think of the Bible as the ultimate standard of truth, the reference point by which every other claim to truthfulness is to be measured. The assertion that conforms with scriptures are true, while those who do not conform with scriptures are not true. What then is truth, Grudem asks. Truth is what God says, and we have what God says in the Bible, end of quote. As I was reading a book called A Mind for God by James Emery White, he told of planning to go to a secular college, and he wanted to prepare himself for those he would, that would question his faith. So, in preparation, he said, I knew I had to outthink those who were going to challenge my faith and to outthink them. I knew I had to outread them. From this, reading moved from mere pleasure to a real purpose. No longer did it matter whether I enjoyed reading. I had become, it had become essential. So I read the existentialist philosophers such as Camus, Sarti, I read the great thinkers, such as Plato, Aristotle. I delved into history, literature, and science. I read the plays of Obsen and Beckett. He goes on to say, I was purposeful 
in my approach because I was on a mission to prepare my mind not simply to understand the ideas of the world, but to engage the ideas of the world. And not simply to challenge others, but to find everywhere God's truth existed. For all truth is God's truth, and the presence of that truth is the beginning of dialogue and redemption. You see, when I first read this, I was very surprised for what he determined he needed to read to reach his fellow students or fellow classmates. What was even more surprising to me is what he did not mention was on the list, and that was God's word. We must ask the question, is there any redemption outside of the proclamation of God's word and the one who brings that redemption. Jesus describes himself as truth. What did Jesus say of himself as it pertains to truth? In John 14, 6, he says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. We see from these passages that there is a connection between the Father and the Son that gives the foundation of truth. The the Father's words are truth, and Jesus, his Son, is truth. Our only connection to the Father is through Jesus Christ. John MacArthur said about John 14, 6, this is the sixth uh, statement, I am statement, Jesus in the book of John. In response to Thomas querying querying in verse 4, Jesus declared that he is the way to God because he is the truth of God and the life of God of God. Jesus tells us that he is the way and the truth and in him is life and no one comes to the Father but through him. James Emery White wanted to begin a dialogue that would lead to redemption with his fellow college students. But there is no redemption outside of the one who paid the price for that redemption. If we go back to the beginning of the book of John in, verse, in chapter 1, verse 14, John says, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. You see, truth does not change over time. In Matthew, Mark, as well as Luke, Jesus says, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. Likewise, we see in Matthew 5, 18, Jesus says, for truly, I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota, not a dot, 
will pass from the law until all is accomplished. No other book contains unchangeable truth. No other book or material has this kind of staying power. It is truth that never changes. For many individuals today, truth is relevant to the person. It is not uncommon to hear um, someone say, well, that's true for you, but that's not true for me. You must ask the question, is it then still true? Can both be right? The world's truth begins. Let's see, did I go too far? The world's truth change as new ideas come into popularity. Here are a few things we held to be true that are not true today. Talking, over your, talking on your cell phone will give you cancer. I don't know if you remember that. You put it to your ear and they says it's going to go in your and you get cancer, right? Holding your laptop um, on your lap will make you sterile. You use only 10% of your brain. Sugar make your, makes your kids crazy. They may be that already, <laughs> but it may not be from the sugar. A penny dropped from the Empire State Building will kill you if it hits you in the head. Lightning, lightning never strikes the same place twice. Hair and nails continue to grow after you die. Eating watermelon seeds will give you appendicitis, which I'm glad it doesn't, because I have eaten my share of seeds. As you can see, much of what the, whole, the world holds as true turns out to not be true at all. Growing up, I remember when eggs were bad to eat. Chocolate also was bad. Likewise, coffee was also seen as bad for you. But these things today are no longer on the bad list. Today, many of the things that we hold to be true is based on intuition, psychology, psychology, science, but it's not based on God's word. When we say all truth is God's truth, what we are saying is that it holds and is given the same authority and validity as God's word. Psycho Heresy's awareness ministry puts it this way, those who integrate psychology with Christianity declare all truth is God's truth. Under this umbrella statement, they embrace the spe uh, speculative notions of Sigmund Freud, Carl Jung, Alfred Adler, Abraham Maslow, Albert Ellis, Carl Rogers, and a host of other psychological theorists depending upon their own individual biases. You see, in the world of psychology today, there's about 250 
different practices today. And they do not agree with themselves. Sigmund Freud believes that your environment was the determinant to who you are and why you are what you are. Because it was all about your parents. They messed you up. It was the neighborhood you grew up in. It was somebody else's you need to point the finger at. Carl Rogers believed your answer to your problem is within you. And all you need to do is look. If you look deeply enough, you will find it. Now, I don't know if you looked inside yourself deeply enough, but generally speaking, when we are so consumed with us, we start this downward spiral. It's not going up, but it is going down because we are thinking too much of ourselves. This is just a couple of ideas you will need to accept when you say all truth is God's truth. Objective truth is divinely, divinely revealed truth. It is important to ask if the basis of our truth is objective or subjective. Objective truth, which is God's truth, is, revel uh, is revelation which is absolute divine. It does not change over time regardless of how the world may change. Science, psychology, philosophy, and intuition are all subjective truth as they are constantly changing over time. As new ideas, new thoughts um, come forth, they change. It is subjective truth. But what about the truthness of Scripture? Wayne Grudem again says, as he looks at God cannot lie or speak falsely, he says, the essence of the authority of Scripture is its ability to compel us to believe and to obey it and to make such belief and obedience equivalent to believing and obeying God himself. Because this is so, it is needful to consider the truthfulness of Scripture. Since to believe all the words of Scripture implies confidence in the complete truthfulness of the Scriptures that we believe. The writer of Hebrews says in 13, um, chapter 13, Verses 7 through 9 says, Remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, day, and forever. Do not be led away by diverse and strange teaching. As believers, we must consider the life and philosophy of the one 
sharing his ideas with us. Can we truly say we are to imitate them? Do they hold to and live by the truth of the gospel we proclaim? The Apostle Paul was also concerned with this idea being proclaimed, so he instructed his son in the faith, Timothy. In 1 Timothy 4, 7, he says, have nothing to do with irreverent, silly myths. Rather, train yourself for godliness. For the one, for one's ideas do not hold to what the Bible says, it is not, the val it is not to be valued and held as truth. When someone else's lifestyle does not hold to what Scripture says, we are not to hold that as truth. We are to keep our theology straight. A Christian must evaluate what he sees, hears, and what he reads. James Emery writes again, one of the primary goals of a Christian theology is to determine what is and what is not orthodoxy. There is a right thinking and there's a wrong thinking. Wrong thinking in theology terms called heresy. You see, this statement is true. We need to be concerned about our orthodoxy. My problem is concerned with what he's already said, that he has to read all this other material and preparation to be able to communicate with his fellow friends at school. You see, what is to keep your theology straight if you spend so much time reading other material other than God's word? Romans 12.2, as you may know, this passage tells us, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good, acceptable, and perfect. You see, we are always in a battle for our minds and how we are to think. It is God's word that allows us to discern what is good, acceptable, and perfect. Without the word of God, you and I will be conformed to this world. It will begin to change your thinking. It is interesting. At my job, I work with a lot of young kids, and they watch a lot of television. They play lots of video games. And their thinking has been conformed to this world. For them, there is no truth. Whatever you feel like, that is what is okay. Because the world has begun chipping away those things that they might have one time held to be true. But it's no longer true for them today. 
Let us look at what the Bible says about itself and the validity of the word. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 tells us, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. You see, in all good conscience, can we truly say that other written material carries the stamp of being breathed out by God himself? That it holds the same authority and power that the scripture does. In Psalms 119, 105, the psalmist tells us, your word, God's word, is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. It is God's word that gives us light for our path of life. Hebrews 4, verse 12 tells us, For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joint and a marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. You see, we must spend time in God's word. The word of God is not a dead book, but it is a living book that is able to reveal the secrets and the hidden things in a person's heart. As the heart is penetrated by the word of God. God's word is always at work as it is the only book that claims that it is living and active. One of the things I tell my students as we are looking at our scripture passage each week, I says, God's word is alive. Even when you decide you don't want to hear it, guess what? It's still alive. And it is still doing something. Convicting you, encouraging you, but it is always doing something. God's word is alive. And we must understand why is that? Because it is his word. It is not our words. It's not man's word. His word is always, always, always doing something. You see, if we claim that all truth is God's truth, can that information, information stand up to the claims that the Bible says about itself? There is only one book that has the claim of being God's truth. All other books and materials fall under the heading of man's idea of what they believe to be true. I really wrestled with this idea that all truth is God's truth. I pray that you never, ever, ever put man's words 
on the same level as God's truth. He only gave us one book, and that book is true. If I were to ask you, have you taken man's word and given them the same authority as God's word? Many of us spend many hours reading things, not that they're bad, but yet we could hold it as being truth when it is not. Are you spending more time in man's wisdom than in God's? I'm amazed as I again talk with friends and I ask them, how are you doing? Not so good. You've been in the Word lately? No. But they've read everything else rather than spending time in God's Word. It is God's word that gives us the assurance of who he is and what he has come to do. It is God's word that directs you to change your thinking, which in turn begins to change your life. It is God's word that is truth. The Apostle Paul tells Timothy again in 1 Timothy 4, 7 through 11. Have nothing to do with irreverent, irreverent, silly myths. Rather, train yourself for godliness. For while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way. It holds the promise to the present life as, and also to the life to come. He says, the saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance. For to this end we toil and strive because we have our hope set on the living God, who is the Savior of all people, especially of those who believe. He tells Tim Timothy, command and teach these things. You see, we too as followers of Jesus Christ, we also need to toil and strive to this end to proclaim the living God who is truth, the only truth. When someone tells you that all truth is God's truth, I pray that you would understand, no, that's man's ideas. Yes, it may be helpful, but you never want to put man's truth on the same level as God's holy word. It is his word he preserved for you and I. It is that truth that gets you from this world to the next world. There is only one truth. That is God's truth. Will you pray with me? Father, thank you again for your truth. I pray that we will live by that truth 
that we understand that you are truth and everything has to come up and line up with your truth to even be true. Father, I ask for your forgiveness as we have taken man's words, man's ideas, and we held it up as being truth when there is only one truth. Forgive us, Father. May we live to glorify you and you only. For you are God. You are holy. You are sovereign over all things. May today be a day that we understand that you are the truth we are to live by. That we would humble ourselves to follow you and to live by that truth. Thank you, Father, for your love for us as you have sent your Son to demonstrate and show us the truth of which he is. May you be glorified, Father, in what we do. We pray this in your Son's name. Amen.